Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. And if you have been tuning in for the last couple of weeks, you know that uh, I have been interviewing a very dear friend of mine who is the lead pastor of Calvary Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. As you look around and you see uh, the different set that you see, it's not our normal TV studio. That's because we are on location here at the main campus of the Calvary Church here in Irving, Texas. And uh, what a great, great church this is. And if you live in the Dallas Metroplex, you owe it to yourself uh, to come and visit this great church. The first time I preached here, my impression was almost like the Queen of Sheba, the half's never been told. And when she saw the wisdom of Solomon, she said, when I see the ascent by which you go up wow. and, and I see uh, thy servants are happy, happy are thy servants. And when I saw the joy and uh, the excitement that's in this campus, it's almost contagious. And you owe it to yourself to, uh, you know, come by and, and be a part of that. Pastor Ben Daly has become a great friend of mine. We met a few years ago and we've already told our story. So I won't go into a lot of that except to introduce him because we want to cover some ground today about his newest book, Captured by Grace. And there will be some information that will be on the screen uh, shortly to be able to tell you how to get this book and how to contact their ministry and so forth. But uh, Pastor Ben is the lead pastor of Calvary Church. It's a multi-locational church based in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. They have campuses that are in Wallace, North Carolina, in Griffith, Georgia, different locations. He's also uh, the head of the Gospel Circle uh, Fellowship of Churches. He's also recently, the last couple of years, started what's called the Gospel Circle Institute, which is equipping ministries and people everywhere with the gospel and helping them to be able to learn the language. Like you said, it's, it's almost like you have to learn a new language. It's almost like a new tongue. That's right. Because we've had a language. We, 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 there's so many cliches we've had oh. over the years that keep us locked into certain concepts. It makes you hard to think outside the box. But Pastor Ben also uh, is uh, known for his love for the gospel, his creative style of communication. He's a great preacher. He's preached at my conference several times. He's a non he has a non-conventional ministry. He oversees one of the most culturally diverse congregations in the nation. His unique ministry approach paired with his love for people have produced an atmosphere for heart transformation. The old covenant will conform you, but grace will transform you. <laughs> uh, ben and his wife, Kim, have been married for 27 years. They have three children, Kyla and Marcy, and a son-in-law, and Cade, who also serving at the Calvary Church. And I'm always impressed when I see the pastor's kids involved and in love with Jesus wow. and want to serve God. That's always a great testimony to me because my story is similar to yours. I came from a large family. But my dad was the real deal. My mom and dad were the real deal. I have six other siblings all involved in ministry. And there's something like 50, some of us now with children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Wow. And all of them, but probably one or two, are really serving the Lord. And in some form of ministry, they're involved with ours or my my brothers or my sons or my sister's ministry or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, that to me is generational. And for me, Pastor Ben, my biggest my biggest motivation is not who knows my name. It's not the TV programs you're on, nor is it the platforms you stand on. Say it. It's when you sit on your porch, like I told you before, and you hold your grandbabies in your arms and your children want to serve God 
and you've left them something of a legacy of a journey that they don't ever have to experience hear it, the bondage and the whips and chains of an Egyptian slave system Wow! that uh, only, uh, only imprisons them and makes slaves out of them instead of sons. <laughs> and so to me, what motivates me is the future legacy of my children and my children's children. And as I look back at the legacy of my family and how God's brought us a mighty long way to me, it's been worth it, you know, when I was preaching something that was not popular to pioneer something that is now becoming mainstream. Because if you'll stay in your assignment, mm. what was not in season will come in season. Come on. And you said before, one of the things that success is, is when you just stay consistent. Yeah, faith. And, you know, you wrote uh, this book and it was powerful. Some of the things you shared last week about the war is over. Yeah. And then you write a chapter in here called PTRSD, which I, when I read this book and I thought post-traumatic religious stress disorder, <laughs> I thought, my God, there's a lot of people got that. Yeah. And I want you to jump in there and talk about that story again. The war is over. Yeah. And what is PTRSD? Yeah. Well, I'm going uh, <coughs> I'm, I'm to just take a moment here to take, thank take you. Thank you again. What, what an incredible honor. Uh, that you would uh, invite me to be a part of your ministry and your program, uh, not just one program, but many programs. And uh, if you have missed any of the last few programs that I've had the privilege of being on, go back, check it out. We talk a lot about, yeah. uh, or a lot of, we talk a, a lot about a whole lot of good stuff. Yeah. Let me just say before you do that, that they can watch that by going to the YouTube channel. Good. And then if they if they don't can't want video, you can get the podcast and the RSS feed for audio and stream it in your car. And you can do that simply by going to the screen yep. and go to our website in the upper right-hand corner is direct links to that. Awesome. So that's how they can watch what you've said good. prior to this because some good stuff was said. Good. Go back and watch it. Go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, so so uh, <clears throat> I, I, just, I just say this as well, that uh, one of the great joys was... Uh, just a, a while back, going to your conference and spending time with your family. And, uh, you know, I, I, I loved you before, but when I got to be around your family, I think I loved you more because I saw who you were. Yeah. I saw the real you. Yeah. And uh, that was awesome. And uh, I just love you more. So thank you so very much for this opportunity. Yeah. So uh, in this book, which, by the way, that you forwarded for me, and I'm so honored that you would do that. But uh, chapter one's called The War is Over, Deception versus Truth. Then I have a chapter called The Father's Love, Unlovable versus Adored. Another chapter, Never Good Enough, Law versus Grace. Got one called Slow Suicide. That one's on Still Striving versus It's Finish. Yeah. How about this one? Belonging, Distance versus Close. Endless Penance, Dirty versus Righteous. Here's one you talk about, The Orphan Mentality. Victim versus victor. Here's one called rightly dividing before versus after. Another one called after the but. Yeah. Seen versus unseen. And then chapter 10, empowering grace, legal versus vital. But I call this book captured by grace, be freed from fear so you can really live. If there's ever been a time that I believe this book needs to be out, it's right now. Be freed from fear. So you can really live. I start this book, Dr. Lynn. I'm going to tell the story again. Uh, and you know the story. When World War II came to an end, it was a time of great joy and celebration. Man, I'm telling you, swords, proverbial swords, were uh, beaten into plowshares. 
and prisoners were set free, and soldiers are going home to their families. But one man, his name was Second Lieutenant Onada, and he was of the Imperial Japanese Army. He chose not to believe the broadcast announcing the end of the war. Hey, there's good news. The war's over. You can go home. But for 29 years, nearly 30 years, what did he do? He hid in the jungles of the Philippines, refusing to come home. Boy, don't that sound like a lot of us, just refusing to come home and enjoy the party. And so knowing that he was still out there, the authorities tried to reach him, and Onada just dismissed it all as a bunch of fake news. He didn't want anything to do with it. I mean, there, there he considered letters and family photos and newspapers dropped from planes as nothing but a trick. They're tricking me. And then in 1974, there's this Japanese college student, and he made it his personal quest to track down this old holdout. After, after trekking through the jungle, the, the student finally found that old soldier and befriended him, but he could not convince him to surrender. Well, eventually, the Japanese government sent Onada's former commanding officer into the jungle with orders for him to stand down. So finally, relieved of duty, Onada, what does he do? He empties the bullets from his rifle. He turns in his weapon. And for him, the war was finally over, and he returned home to a hero's welcome. Hallelujah. Think about that. Think about that. Yeah. For nearly three decades, Lieutenant Onada was engaged in a war that only existed in his mind against an imaginary enemy, yeah. an enemy that he both feared and he distrusted. And this is exactly how people relate to God. They are opposed to God in their own minds. They think God's gunning for them on account of their sin. They haven't heard there has been a cessation of hostilities. Uh, they, they, they haven't heard that the war is over, that the war has already been fought, that the war has already been won, that the Prince of Peace now sits on the throne. And so ignorant of all of this good news and fearful of God, what do they do? Here's the picture. They're laying low in what I call in this book, the jungles of religion. Yeah. So the answer to your question, here's why I wrote the book. And I told you this last week for one simple reason. I don't think people have heard the good news. They've heard a lot of yeah. messages. They've heard a lot of good advice. Yeah. But I don't know if they've heard good news. Yeah. Good news is what brings faith. Yeah. They don't know uh, what the news is. They don't know. If you ask most people in church, What's the gospel? What's the good news? Do you know what the news is? Do you know why it's so good? Do you know why it's good news? Do you know what the new covenant is? Do you know what's uh, so important about it being a new covenant? You know, all of this stuff. And, and, and how do I know all this? Because most people are unsure of who God is. They are unsure of what he thinks about them. That's really what faith is. Mm -hmm. Faith is God's mind made up about you. Faith is believing what God already believes true about you. It's the faith of God. Yeah. And we're spending our lives, matter of fact, a whole lot of churches spend their life trying to twist God's arm about them. Yeah. And we don't have to twist God's arm yeah. about us. And so maybe some folks have heard the good news, but it just doesn't fit in their grid. They think it is too good to be true. So what do they do? They live under lies, refusing to come home. And sadly, this is true, uh, Dr. Lynn, I found out 
for Christians and unbelievers. <laughs> See, coming up in church, I used to think that the gospel was for everybody out there. Mm -hmm. But you know what I've realized since I've come in? You know who needs the gospel yep. more than anybody else? The church. Yep. The church. Yes, they do. And so in my book, I talk about this deal that you just brought up. It's called PTRSD. What is that? Okay. Lieutenant Onada's <laughs> experience is pretty close, pretty parallel to my experience when I came out of the jungle. And in my book, I talk about coming out of the jungle of legalism and moralism. Legalism, there's a difference. Legalism is the belief that following rules makes us acceptable. And many uh, church people, much like uh, the Pharisees of Jesus's day, they go far beyond the Ten Commandments in setting rules for others and setting rules for themselves to follow. Moralism now is the belief that being a good person makes us acceptable. It's not so much about obedience to, to strict rules. It's, it's much more about being nice enough or kind enough or honest enough to impress God, to impress others. But hear me, Dr. Lynn, when I finally stepped out of the jungles, and believe me, I'm, I'm still coming out. But when I finally decided I am stepping out of the jungle, and again, I told the story a couple of weeks ago, it was at the end of 2012, when I finally said I'm coming out of the jungle, I realized, man, I'd been suffering from what I call PTRSD. That's post-traumatic religious stress disorder. Now, let's see if you can relate to this. I preached every week about the saving grace of God. But I lived like grace ended the day I became a Christian. And now it was entirely up to me to prove myself to God. I taught about the love of God, but the reality is I felt unloved or worse, unlovable. I taught about God's forgiveness. Here I am talking about God's forgiveness. But I often lived under this toxic cloud of, of shame. I taught that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, but I often felt he was either distant or he was displeased with me. Uh, I taught about the freedom that I said we had in Christ, but I felt chained to the sins and the mess ups and the blunders of my past. I taught that I was a child of God. But think about this, Dr. Lynn. I taught I was a child of God, but watch, I lived like an orphan, desperately trying to get what I needed, and I was terrified that it would be taken away. Yeah. And uh, my new diagnosis, PTRSD, is the destructive impact of a grace-empty life. And I wish I could say that being a Christian for many years is a guarantee against it but it's not. And I wish I could say, Dr. Lynn, that being a pastor is the antidote, but it is not. Grace deprivation can happen to anyone. Even those who say they're the most devoted to God and to his work. When Jesus becomes just a model to follow or a benchmark to reach or perfection to emulate, we have missed his loving, gracious heart. And I really believe Jesus, our loving, 
commanding officer is coming into the jungle. I really believe it, to bring us out. Jesus speaks a revelation of the gospel that assures us that you are deeply loved, you are completely forgiven, you are totally accepted, and it is not based on your flawed performance, but it is based on Christ's perfect performance. You know, I thought about this in my book, Limitless, I describe the, the wonder of God's grace demonstrated at the cross. But in my book, Captured by Grace, you know what I do? I invite veterans of spiritual warfare to realize that the war is over. You are free. You can come out of the jungle and you can live the life you were meant to live, a free and a full life. This is a book that everybody's got to read. I believe it. You know, I think too, you know, as I was thinking while you were talking there a few minutes ago, everywhere, people want to be accepted and loved. Yeah. That's really what they're looking for. Talk about it. And I was thinking while you were saying that about my own journey, even with, uh, <clears throat> you know, coming up in religion, you get to the place where you feel like I love God, but there was so much sin preached, so much sin consciousness. In other words, you know, you've seen me do the uh, example where you have, a, you know, in the other, under the old covenant, you had a, a high priest and you had a lamb and you had a sinner and the sinner under the old covenant in order to be accepted by God would have to bring a woolly lamb and he would bring it before the priest. He'd lay his hands on the head of that lamb and confess his sin. And then the priest would take the lamb, watch this, and he would examine the lamb. And Oh, he sinner, wouldn't examine the sinner? That's what I'm, that's what I'm after. He didn't examine the <laughs> sinner. We examine the sinner every week. And then we wonder why we don't feel accepted. But the acceptance was on the basis of the spotless Ooh. sacrifice. But every every week, we examine the sinner rather than preaching the lamb. We're preaching the wrong man. And what happens is, you know, I, I look at my own journey and I think about how, <clears throat> you know, I finally got to the place that I was just tired and weary, just worn out. It's almost like that Cheerios commercial. This boy's running out of steam. And I thought, you know what? I am going, I'm probably going to do all this my whole life and still bust tail wide open. I could see myself as they, the old preachers would say, taking the nasty plunge in the lake of fire, you know. <laughs> and I thought, if I'm going to go to hell, at least I'm going to enjoy the ride, you know. And I walked away from what I thought was God, but really what I was doing was trying to survive to find somebody that would accept me. And I'm just, you know, and, uh, you know, what I did is I left church and I went to the only group that would uh, accept me. And that was the long haired kind of drug doing dudes, you know, and just, you know, my personal testimony. I kind of, did the drugs, not because I wanted to, but because I wanted to be accepted. Wow. I just wanted to be loved unconditionally without any strings attached. And so when I finally came away from that and got back into the house of God, I found out that the same thing that was driving my addiction in the world for drugs or whatever it is, and people got all kinds of different addictions, whether it's food or sex or yeah. money or success. Or religion. Or religion that they, they, they get to the place where, uh, you know, it's driving their addiction. And I didn't realize, and I was in the ministry, that the same thing that was driving my addiction in the world was driving my addiction in ministry. Wow. And I would think if I could preach for this guy, I would finally feel wow. like I'm good enough to be accepted and affirmed. And then I'd preach for that guy, and I'd think that's not enough. I need to preach for this guy. And then I'd preach for that guy, and that, that wouldn't be enough. And I'd think, I need to preach for this guy. And it was just like I was, it's like there was never a satisfaction with I've done enough for God to wow. really accept me wow. or that I could be accepted unconditionally. And I'll never forget. And I walked on the platform of a church. I, I don't guess 
anybody mind me saying, but if, and I'm not saying this to drop names, but I preached for Bishop Eddie Long mm. that year. When I walked on that platform that night, I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, son, if you're looking for the approval of many, don't get any bigger than this. And he said, but if you're satisfied with my approval, you'll never feel like wow. you've got to earn anything again. And it set me free. And out of that, I preached a message called the approval of a father will always empower a son. And when Jesus came up out of the waters of Jordan, the heavens opened and the father said, that's my son in mm. whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't raised anybody from the dead. <laughs> he hadn't performed a miracle. He hadn't wow. fed 5,000. Dad said, that's my boy. I'm, I'm well pleased. What, what we don't realize is we've got the approval of our father. We are just think, Pastor Ben, what would happen if we accepted people just like that long haired group of folks accepted me? <laughs> And we, we didn't, you know, we, we, we loved unconditionally. I, what happens is I changed then to be like the group I was around. I think what would happen is, is what we would receive people and let them also be, feel like they're accepted in the beloved. On the basis of examined lamb. Yeah, yeah. It would set us free from all that fear and PTRSD. Yeah, yeah. And you would realize that even as your journey goes on, you know, that, that you're accepted. And it's out of that relationship then that you draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. That's Go right. ahead and talk a little That's bit more. Right. Because we got well, there's so many lies. There's so many lies that are contemptible lies that are keeping us yeah. uh, in uh, in the jungle. And it's time to come out. I would simply say this. I know this program's coming to an end. But I would simply say this. You need to get your hands uh, on, on this book, Captured by Grace. Be freed from fear so you can really live. You know, I think it was A.W. Tozer who said, I'm going to tell you why you need this book. I think it was A.W. Tozer who said, uh, the, the way we think about God is the most important thing about us. And a person who does not relate to God, as you're saying, a father who says you're beloved, a person who does not relate to God in a biblical, healthy way cannot relate to or lead others in a healthy way either. And many of the paradigms I think of leadership and, and, and life that, 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 that we've been given have replaced identity discovery with stuff like image management. And so people are burning out, Dr. Lynn. Leaders are burning out trying to hold on right now to their image because People are living and leading to be seen as valued, mm -hmm. accepted, loved, rather than leading from their value, from their acceptance, from a love that's already been given. And all of their relationships are suffering yeah. everywhere. They're, they're, they're leading to be accepted rather than leading from the knowledge that they're already accepted. Exactly. And so my book, man, deals with the core man of life and, and, and helps people really live from identity rather than for an identity. And I think this is the most important conversation. Dr. Lynn, if there's anything you've taught me, it's this. This is the most important conversation that we need to be having right now yeah, in life. Yeah. Our world is in an identity crisis. Absolutely. Look around. Yep. A massive identity crisis. Absolutely. We've got to come back to it. Yes, sir. You know, I just, I, you know, that's so powerful that, that you know, that, uh, you know, 
that, that once you really know who you are in Christ, it shifts then from, uh, you know, just a grace that covers anything to an empowering grace because your identity, you start to flow out of knowing who you are. Because, you know, when Jesus came up, out, when, when he was tempted, even when the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He, the devil comes to him and says, if you be the son, challenging his identity again, command yeah. these stones to be turned yeah. into bread. Same thing that he said to Adam in the garden. If you get enough information about good, you can make yourself like God. If you a challenging identity. And uh, Jesus simply said, wow. uh, you know, uh, get behind me, Satan, because it's written. Satan. And he began to, to, to flow from his identity yes. and realize it's not about my success. It's not about my ministry. It's not about who knows my name. It's the fact that dad loves me, whether I do anything or preach the gospel or my, you know, my, my reputation. We get to do all that stuff for the fun of it. Now. Yes, we do. We're <laughs> out of time. And we just want to say, you know, there'll be information on the screen where you can get a hold of these books and uh, you'll be blessed by them. But if you've been blessed by this ministry, just take a moment to scan the QR code on your screen. It will give you an opportunity to be able to go directly to a link where you can give via a credit card or PayPal and, and so into the ministry. You could become a monthly partner there by simply setting up a monthly uh, debit to that. You can also give by calling the number on the screen and someone will take your call. And if you don't get an answer, we have a limited amount of people answering phones. So leave a message. We will call you back. I trust that you have enjoyed this series and this segment that I did with Pastor Ben Daly as we filmed on location at uh, the main campus there in Irving, Texas, Calvary Church. I believe that the gospel that we shared through this series will be such a blessing to so many of you. and. Uh, I really appreciate the time that I've got to spend there with that great house. And if you've ever in that area, you owe it to yourself to go by and uh, join them in one of their services. The culture of that house is phenomenal. I well, the, One of the first times I ever went there, I thought, man, uh, the people that serve are happy. Almost reminded me of the words of the Queen of Sheba when she went to see Solomon the Half has never been told. And I am so proud of what uh, Pastor Ben is doing there and the confidence that he has in being able to be bold enough to share the gospel of grace with clarity and boldness and to lead, I believe, a generation into an ongoing reformation. If you have enjoyed this series and you would like to support our ministry, we very seldom take very much time to talk about it, but we do need your help to be able to, of course, continue to travel, to stay on the air, to do all the things that we do around the globe via our ministry. And so we thank you for your faithful support. If you would like to become a monthly partner with us, the easiest way for you to do that would be to go to our website or to scan the code that's right there on uh, the screen where you can go and uh, you can uh, either do it through the website or scan that code and it will take you directly to a link where you can sign up to either give a one-time gift or you can just have an automatic uh, monthly gift debited from your card, however you'd like to do it. You can also send a check or money order to the address on the screen. You can also call the number that'll come up on the screen. Someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message. We'll call you back. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. 
In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.